um, this morning. Turn please to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, and while you're turning there, wondering who your favorite uh, Bible characters are, mine is the one that we happen to be studying at the time. <laughs> Pastors, preachers always say, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. My favorite is the one that we're going through today, all right? But really, John the Baptist is a great, great uh, character in the Bible. And again, we'll, and we'll get to that someday. I keep re, uh, referring to the fact that Jesus said there was no greater prophet. So think about that. Um, think about all your favorite Old Testament prophets. Um, boy, I don't know, it's hard to pick, but I kind of like Jeremiah myself and, and because of the heart that he had and faithful to the Lord and, and God's faithfulness to him. And today, I didn't say a lot about our anniversary because of some sickness and things. We didn't get things done as much as we wanted to, but I thought, you know what, that's okay. We don't, wanna, we don't want glory to go to the past and pictures and things and seeing the preacher go from a young man to an old man and all those kind of things. We want God to get the glory. Um, he's been so faithful during these 45 years. It doesn't, doesn't seem possible. But anyway, um, great prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus said there's no greater prophet that's ever arisen than John. And so uh, with that in mind, let's go to Luke chapter 3, and we'll start with verse um, 15. And of course, you have to understand the kind of like the setting of the day, at least some of the Jewish people were looking for the Messiah. And so anybody that came along that had any kind of power or demonstrated spirituality right away they wanted to know if he was the one so that's what's going on in John the Baptist early in his life early in his ministry they began to wonder is this the one so let's take a look uh, Luke 3 verse 15 we'll read down through verse 20 and then we'll pray and get into the message for um, this morning and as the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks for this time we can have in thy word today. I thank you for helping us already. Um, Lord, thank you for the great hymns that we can sing, and thank you now for the word of God that we can study. And I do pray for the help of the Holy Spirit, the one that John uh, talked about here, that Jesus Christ would baptize with that Holy Ghost or that Holy Spirit. I pray for his help today. Lord, may this not be just another Sunday service. May this just not be another sermon by the pastor, but may this be a vital message from heaven. And I know that that can only be accomplished uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whenever I think of John the Baptist, I think of his words in John 1.23. We're going to look at those a little bit later. But where John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John wanted to, to uh, proclaim himself and be remembered he, that he was a voice for the Lord. And that's what I want to be. That's what all of us should want to be and be. We ought to desire to be a voice for the Lord. And you know very well that God has ordained that that's how the gospel and that's how the truth of God will be proclaimed. By word, by, by his voices. Right? Now it doesn't always have to be a spoken voice. You can send a card, you can send a letter, you can send a track, uh, you can send an email. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do. 
to get the Word of God out. I'd encourage you to do that. When you send, this is the time of year, I don't know how many of you like send Thanksgiving cards. We got one, I think, in the mail so far. But if you send those, you can you can have a Bible message there. You can have a tract in there. Uh, Christmas cards, you can have a tract in those. Um, you can even pay your bills. You can, if, you do, if you still do them the old-fashioned way, we put them in the mail. You know, you can put a tract in your electric bill and and uh, maybe she could, you could make a little note in there about your to the light company that Jesus is the light of the world, and you know whatever the case may be. Um, so anyway, we, we we're looking for God's looking for um, voices, you know, voices, and He could have chose any other means. And, and I've heard preachers say, and I believe it's true, that God, that the angels of God would love the privilege of proclaiming the word of God. But you know what the Bible says about the angels? They don't understand it. They do not understand the gospel. They do not understand the mercy of God. Um, they do his bidding. They're ready. I, you know, you know, Gabriel said to, to uh, Zacharias, I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of the Lord. And, and one, of the reason, one, of the, one of the things about that is that Gabriel stood by the Lord because he was ready whenever the Lord said, Gabriel, go. And he went. You want to read about some of the things that Gabriel did. You know, go back and read Daniel 9 and 10 and how Gabriel ministered to Daniel. And then how, how Gabriel ministered to Zacharias and how he ministered to Mary. And how he carried messages from God and, and so on. Anyway, we, and we could be more like the angels. By the way, the word angel in the Old Testament and New Testament means a messenger. And that's what they are. And that's what we are. Alright, another thing that uh, stands out to me about John is what Jesus said about him in John 5. Go there. Keep your place in Luke, please, and turn over to John chapter 5. Now, this is, this is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? And that, not, that, not that his words are any more scripture than the rest of the Bible. It's all God's word. In fact, it's called the word of Christ in Colossians. But uh, somehow it seems like the words of Jesus carry a little more weight, if you know what I mean, um, the words that he said. By the way, I got, a couple times I got picked for jury duty, and a couple questions I always got rejected, usually by the defense. <laughs> um, but, but first of all, they'd say, hey, do you, who knows the defendant? I knew. How do you know him? I visited him in jail. <laughs> so, all right, you're out. Uh, how many of you believe that alcoholism is a sin? Um, I do. All right, you're out. <laughs> Different things like that. But anyway, um, then they would say this. Do you think that the testimony of a police officer carries more weight than just an average person? I said, yes, I do. You're out. <laughs> I didn't do it. I mean, I didn't do that to try to get out, but I knew there's a few key things. But anyway, what am I saying about that? I'm saying that because Jesus Christ, his words are authority. All right? John 5. Look at verse 33. Well, let's go back to verse 31 because the Jews were, were, were accusing Jesus of bearing witness of himself. And you know that can't, go, that can't happen. You know, the Bible says two or three witnesses. And, and so that they said, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have any witnesses. You only got one, you've only got your own testimony. Well, let's take a look at verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, Jesus said, my witness is not true. In other words, my witness is not acceptable if it's only me. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye, are, ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But you know, they turned against John like they were soon going to turn against Jesus. But notice what Jesus said about John. He was a burning and a shining light. And of course, that's in fulfillment of John 1 where it says, um, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And then verse 36, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me, and the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. So the Lord Jesus Christ could claim three witnesses. 
the witness of John, the witness of his works, and the witness of his father. Now it wasn't too long prior to this where the multitudes, at least many people, uh, saw John baptize Jesus. And after Jesus was baptized, you know what happened. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and landed upon the Lord and the voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. How much more of a witness did the people need than that? We're going to talk about that, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. We're going to talk about the baptism of Jesus. That, that's the next thing. So let's go back to Luke 3. That's the next thing in Luke 3 that we'll see next week, uh, the baptism that, that uh, John, when he baptized Jesus. All right, now, I want us to look at, look at three things this morning. Number one, the identity of John the Baptist. Number two, the preaching of John the Baptist. And three, the imprisonment of John the Baptist. So let's take a look at his identity. All right? First of all, under the identity of John, who he was not. Right, it's important to realize who John was not. And we're going to get that from his own mouth. Verse uh, 15, as the people were in expectation. So there was an air of expectancy and anticipation. And they, and, and, and uh, muse, the people, uh, and all men, that is everybody around, everybody, mused in their hearts. The word muse means to think about, to wonder, to reason. So they were already, you know, they already were questioning and asking each other, could this be the one? The, and the ministries of John and the ministry of Jesus are so parallel because pretty soon they're going to say the same thing about Christ, about Jesus. Is he? Is he the Messiah? Well, it's interesting. Whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I come, at the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so this is John, one of John's ways of saying, no. I've got my ministry, which is baptizing, but he said there's one coming after me, mightier. In other words, almighty. And he is so mighty and so great and so holy that I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loose the latchet of his shoe. All right? Now, so let's go also to John 1, where John says very plainly, John chapter 1, who, who he was not, all right? Who John the Baptist wasn't, okay? All right, John chapter 1. And starting in verse 19, it says, And this is the record, or the testimony, of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So who was he not? He was not Jesus. He was not Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And there was, are you Elijah? And he answered, um, he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? Now that prophet is a reference to Deuteronomy 18. And Moses said, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Now that's, obviously that prophecy is about Christ. It's not about anybody else, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we often sing a hymn, praise him, praise him. And the last verse of that, the one of the lines is this, crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. All right? And Jesus is all those things. He's prophet, he's priest, he's king. All right? And by the way, priest refers to his sacrifice of himself on the cross. And then now that, now that he's gone to heaven, he is our great high priest. All right, so art thou that prophet? He said, no. Verse 22, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. In other words, the authorities sent them. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
manuscript, the way of the Lord, as, as said the prophet Isaiah, and they which were set were of the Pharisees. Right? But John said, no, I'm a voice, I'm a voice, that's all I am. Alright, let's go over to John 3. Another thing. Again, basically the same thing. And we're going to come back to John 3 a little bit later on in the message, but for now, just notice verse 28. Again, this is John's testimony. John 3, 28. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. And he was the forerunner. All right? Um, all right. Let's, let's stay in John 1 for a minute. And then, um, so who he was, or who was he? Who he was. <laughs> who John was, right? Number one, he was the voice. We, already, we saw that. All right, John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1. They, then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And so he was the voice. And let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you spoke a word for the Lord? Either verbally or written or somehow, we, we, we need to get the word out. The word of God is quick and powerful. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. And the greatest, the, obviously the greatest need of the world, the greatest need of, of your neighbors and my neighbors and the greatest need of your co-workers and any, the people that you do business with, their greatest need is to be saved. And they won't be saved unless we tell them because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there's a lot of needy people. Um, I can ask you to pray for our neighbor. His name is Dan. He came up yesterday. I was doing some stuff outside, and he got heard him putting up here in his in his four wheeler. And I just said to him, "Hey, how you doing, neighbor?" And he broke down. He said, "I'm doing awful." And I said, "We'll pray for you." And I gave him a track, and I said, "We'll keep in contact." And he said, "Oh, thank you very much." But he could hardly talk to me. He was in tears. He's going through some really tough times, and and uh, that was great this morning too, brother Bruce in Sunday school about how we can comfort others with the comfort that we get from God. And so, just pray for Dan. He's been a really good neighbor, but he doesn't know the Lord. And I don't think he's listening. But anyway, um, it'd be all right if he was. But pray for him. Pray for him. And so, uh, John says, I'm a voice. What else, what else is he? Uh, verse 29. He was a herald. 29. The next day, John 1, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so John says, Him, behold the Lamb of God. Look to him. He's the one. And he, of course, um, our greatest privilege as believers is to point sinners to the Lamb of God, who alone can take away their sins. All right, number three. He is John chapter three. Let's go, go back to that chapter. Uh, John chapter three. Um, here's the... Uh, they're trying to stir up a controversy because Jesus was beginning his ministry and John was still doing his ministry. So they tried to create dissension. They tried to create envy between Jesus and John. Now, in verse 25, then, then there rose, verse 24, um, verse 23, we'll get there, and John also was baptizing in a nun near to Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Now why did John have to pick a place where there was a lot of water? Because he had to have enough water to dunk them in. Baptize there means immerse. For John was not yet cast into prison. See, there's a time reference there. The chronology. So Jesus had started his ministry. 
In fact, earlier in the chapter, uh, Jesus had talked to Nicodemus, who was one of the Pharisees, and, and he was one of the ones that were wondering about Jesus. And then verse 25, then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying, about cleansing. Apparently, uh, it had to do with baptism, all right? Part of it, because it says in verse 26, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. So John, what do you think about that? He's baptizing disciples too. Now John 4 said that Jesus himself didn't baptize, his disciples did. But anyway... So he was making, they're saying to John, what do you think about this? Um, now this Jesus, he, he's making disciples too, and everybody's going after him. John, they're leaving you and they're going after him. Well, let's see what John, I love this. John answered and said, verse 27, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. So what is John? Now, number three, he's the friend of the bridegroom. He was a friend of Jesus, right? I remember quoting this verse. I went to Bible college with a with a guy, and he just could not find a girl. All right, and I guess when you're when you're young and you're guys, that's the most tragic thing about life. You can't find a girl. And so uh, we'd already been married, and we'd come back to Pennsylvania. We started church. I think it was probably about four years later. We took a trip to Canada, and and by and behold, we stopped at Prince Albert, where where we went to school and where the church was that we attended. And lo and behold, we just happened to be there at the time of Randy's wedding. Randy had met a really nice girl that was one of the pastor's daughters. And so I quoted this verse as we're going through the line. I said, Brother, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who, which, who standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And I remember telling Randy, I'm so happy for you, and the Lord has provided you the perfect wife for you. And it was just great. It was just great. So I remembered that verse, and I thought, yeah, you know what? That's, that's so true. Maybe some of you have been, guys have been to the wedding of your best friend. And you, you're so thankful. You rejoice because you're, you're not the bridegroom, but he is, and you're happy for him. And then John said something else in verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, uh, 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 and John's ministry was about to end, and he knew it, and he knew that was right. He knew that uh, his ministry was to preach and prepare the people, kind of stir them up, kind of like an evangelist. And by the way, when I, as Brother Gilmore was preaching last week, I thought, man, he reminds me of John the Baptist, the way he preached and, and, and so on. You know, but, but John said, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. He, he must increase. It's Jesus who gets the glory. It's Jesus who must get the souls. It's Jesus who must have the following. And John said, I must decrease. I must decrease. Well, all right. Let's go back to Luke 3 for the next couple things. And um, So number, number one, he was the voice. Number two, he was a herald. He announced the Lamb. Number three, he was the friend of the bridegroom. Number four, he was a baptizer. In Luke 3.16, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. So here's the preaching. We're getting into point number two. The preaching of John the Baptist. I indeed baptize. And that word means to immerse. And so... Why? You know, it's interesting. I, I thought to myself, and many times over the years, um, <clears throat> why did he? Why did they call him J 
John the Baptist. Now Matthew says, calls him John the Baptist. Other, other places, Jesus called him John the Baptist. Why did they call him that? Well, because he did something very unique. And as he baptized, he put people under water. <laughs> All right? And I thought about that. You know, he's known as John the Baptist. Well, you know what? Back in the, in the early centuries, back in the, the, the 10th or 11th century, there were these churches that started to rise up, and they were Baptists. They, they baptized people. Now, they did that in the Bible for centuries. Then the Catholic Church came along and said, well, you don't need to do that. We'll just sprinkle, and we'll sprinkle babies. And they were the ones that started that. And so churches that would insist on professions of faith and then would baptize by immersion... Why? Because the Bible says that pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They started labeling these churches Anabaptists. In other words, rebaptizers. And so the name stuck, and pretty soon, eventually, they dropped off the Anna, and they just called us them Baptists. And so they are, they are our forerunners. Now we trace our heritage and our doctrine back to the first century. But we, all, we also have historic roots of where Baptist churches started. And, and, and we teach and preach the doctrines of the New Testament. Now many churches today have become ashamed of the name Baptist. Um, by, by the way, Baptist was never a denomination. Catholic is a denomination. Methodist is a denomination. Presbyterian is a denomination. They took those names upon themselves. And, but, but Baptists never, we, we were labeled. It was a label. By the way, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a flattering label. It wasn't a friendly label. The enemies of the Bible put that name, that label, on our forefathers. All right? Um, just like in, 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 in Acts, it says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And there's some debate whether that's a, you know, a complimentary uh, title or an insulting title. But anyway, there's one thing we can't question. That is, it was given to them because of their conduct. Because of what they did. And John the Baptist was called John the Baptist because of what he did. He preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And churches like ours a thousand years ago were called Baptists because of what we did. And, and people, even today, oh, oh, well, you're a minister, you're a pastor, right? What kind of pastor are you? I am a, a Baptist pastor. Oh, oh, you're one of those. There's still a stigma. There's still an insult to be a Baptist. And so what? Many people have dropped the name, but the name Baptist has such a rich heritage. We never, ever should be ashamed. Obviously, Christian comes first. But we should never be ashamed to call ourselves Baptists because we go back, and I don't mean we, we don't trace everything to John the Baptist, but he was the first one to immerse people. And so... And whether and I don't and I, I've heard people say you know the Bap the first you know first Baptist Church of Jerusalem and all that I think Brother Gilmar mentioned that you know the Baptist Church of Corinth well it wasn't in name but it was in practice and so Baptist is not so much a name as it is a label of doctrine and practice right out of the Bible and so that's what John was called so John baptized with water. We talked, we went over that pretty good a couple weeks ago. But then I want you to notice the preaching of John the Baptist. First of all, John mentions his baptism, but then he mentions Christ. So John's baptism was with water. Very important. Um, if you haven't been baptized yet, you should be. Um, and then it goes, he says this, but verse 16, Luke 3, But one mightier than I come, with the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. All right, John said, this man, this Jesus, he can do something I could never do. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now what is he talking about? And I started searching all over the place. I thought, wait a minute. The answer is very simple. Go to Acts 2. Well, go to Acts 1. I'm going to try to get through this as quick as I can. Good. Acts chapter 1. I, I don't have time, but, to, but I'm going to tell you some scriptures in Acts chapter 1, but I will say this. 
John the Baptist never baptized anybody with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was never baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, but not baptized in the Bible sense. Now, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't take place till after Jesus went back to heaven. Now, I want you to notice in Acts chapter 1, um, Acts chapter 1, Verse 4, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, and being assembled together with them, that is with the disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said to ye, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized. In other words, it hadn't been yet. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That is, not many days from now. So what do we get from that? We get that from that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was yet future. Hadn't happened yet. Alright, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, which by the way was a Sunday, Pentecost was 50 days after the Sabbath. So they would count seven Sabbaths, seven weeks, seven Saturdays, and the next day was Pentecost, it was Sunday. So the Holy Spirit, I'm getting ahead of my story, the Bible, but Bible story. So the day of Pentecost was on a Sunday, all right, which is, which is the first day of the week, which you now call the Lord's Day. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house, it filled all the house where they were sitting. By the way, they, there's 120. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them Utterance. And so right there is the is what John was referring to. The day of Pentecost was the day when they, the Jews, the believing Jews, were baptized, filled, and indwelt by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And so that's what John is talking about. Now, the, the uh, Holy Spirit baptism is for all who are saved. And if we, you could follow through the book of Acts, the Jews got it first, because to the Jew first, also to the Greek. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the first Gentile to be saved, on, upon those that were with him, they believed, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. That was their baptism by the Holy Spirit, or in the Holy Spirit. I believe the scripture teaches it's not the Holy Spirit that does the baptizing. It's Jesus who does the baptizing. And he baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now let's take a look at one other verse. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Alright? And then, then keep your place in Acts because I want, I want to come back to that. But uh, uh, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13 it says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now back to Acts chapter 2, I want to point out something. Now, um, and, and, and the difference between, or the big difference between the baptism of John and the baptism of me, <laughs> you know, I baptize people when, they, when they're willing, when they're saved, and so on, is it's a baptism by water. It's a physical baptism. Or it's a physical baptism with spiritual consequences, right? Now, the baptism of the Spirit is not physical. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is spiritual. It's immaterial. So you can't feel it. You, you, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, swat having something stuck in your throat. You know it's there. Well, there's no physical presence. I mean, the Holy Spirit is there, but he's not physical. He's spiritual, right? And by the way, it's part of faith, right? Um, so anyway, back in Acts chapter 2, I want to look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and as they all came under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's a lot of confusion. Uh, the, the, uh, and, I, and I'm convinced from the Word of God that the so-called tongues movement today is nothing like the Bible tongues. And Acts chapter 2 is a perfect example. 
because it says they began to speak with other tongues, other languages. And I think I counted right. In Acts chapter 2, I think there's 17 different languages. And these people said, wow, what's going on? We, these, these guys start speaking, and they begin to speak with other languages. And all these people said, hey, we're hearing this in our native tongue. Yes, they were Hebrews, they were Jews, and so they knew Hebrew. But the, the, the neat thing was, and uh, there's many reasons that this happened, but the people said, hey, you know, we, I, I came from media. I came from Persia, and I, and I hear it in my language. In Rome, people from Italy, I hear it in my language. And, and so that was, the, that was the thing. God gave them the ability to speak in all languages, and I can't help but make to, to, that one of the points of that is God intended the gospel to go to all the world, to every language group. And we still use that word today, language group. All right, so that was the tongues. Again, you can go through and you can read that. You can count the different languages. All right, verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Um, yeah, verse 8, and how, and how here, verse 7, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how here, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So they said, look, we're hearing this in our native language. And again, that's why, that's why they're all listed. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and so on. So obviously that was a miracle. All right, let's go on here. Um, and then fire. Now again, that was the, tongue, the tongues as of fire. Fire is often a reference to the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Let me just share some. Uh, the tabernacle and temple. Remember those? Remember back in Exodus when the temple was dedicated and, and it was ready to be set up? What does the Bible say? The fire fell. The fire of God fell from heaven. When, when uh, Solomon dedicated the temple, same thing, the fire came down. When Elijah had the contest with the prophets of Baal, the fire came down and, and you know, devoured the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the water, everything. Right? And then here, fire in the Bible also speaks of sanctification or refining of believers. And fire also speaks of judgment to come. Now quickly, let's look at Acts 3, just a couple things, and we'll, this won't take very long, but here's what John, John says in his preaching. Now he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall baptize you, the end of verse 16, Luke three sixteen. he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. Now that, the fan there was not like one of these things, you know, that you go like this and you're hot and everything, but it was a, an instrument, kind of like a shovel. Now when they would harvest grain, they would take it to a place called the threshing floor, and they would use a threshing instrument to kind of beat the grain. And then when that was all done, they would take this thing called a fan, it was really like a shovel, and they would lift, they would, and, and, they, and they would, hopefully there'd be a wind, they needed to have a wind, and so they, they made a structure that kind of, kind of like a wind tunnel, and they would pick up the stuff, the grain, and they would throw it up in the air. And the grain, being heavier, would sink to the floor, and the chaff would blow away. So that's what John said that Jesus will do. His fan is in his hand. And it will thoroughly purge his floor. And it will gather the wheat into the garner, into the storehouse. That's talking about those who are saved. But the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Now that fire is the fire of hell. The fire of hell, and ultimately the lake of fire. We get if we, the Lord doesn't come back before we get to Luke chapter 19, we will read about the the rich man and Lazarus. All right, um, actually it's chapter 16. I always get those mixed up, but um, we'll read about the fire that tormented the rich man. All right, so the hell's real, the fire's real. Verse 18, and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. And so 
the Bible says that John preached about a whole lot of stuff. He preached a lot of things. And by the way, the word exhortation is a translation of the Greek word parakaleo. Parakaleo. Para means near and kaleo to call. So put them together, you have to call near. Hence it means to call near, to invite, to urge one to pursue some course of conduct. So John exhorted the people. And there's always an urgency involved in that word. Whenever you read the word in the New Testament, sometimes the word parakaleo is translated exhort. Sometimes it's translated um, uh, uh, comfort, um, urge, that sort of thing. Beseech. Those kind of things. All right, and then, then the last thing this morning is the, the imprisonment of John the Baptist. And it said, by Herod, the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, that is, by John, for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So in Mark 6.17 it says that, that John said to Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So basically Herod stole Herodias from Philip. She was Philip's, she was Philip's wife and Herod took her away. And took her for his own wife. Right? But notice it says not only for that, reprove means to tell a fault. Um, it means to admonish. Same thing in, in, in 2 Timothy 3, 6, 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Reproof means to rebuke or to tell our faults. The Bible points out our sins and our faults and it's for correction. It tells us how to fix it. And so John... Does it, it, notice it says not only because he had taken his brother Philip's wife, but all the evils that Herod had done. He pointed out all the sin. Added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So the idea there is all the things that Herod had done on top of that, or worst of all, he put John in prison. And so there's an interesting thing. Um, that one of, the, one of the worst things a person can do is persecute one of God's servants. And of course, this will come out later in the book of Luke. Now, let's just think about three things, and we're done. Number one, the life of Herod. We didn't look at it. We looked at it a little bit. We're going to look at it more. The life of Herod is a sober reminder of how sin accumulates. And the picture in Luke chapter 3 is of Herod's sin like a snowball. Gaining speed, going downhill. Downhill is a good illustration. And accumulating more and more. And then finally, the final thing was that he put John in prison. And of course, you know, he had John executed. We'll, we'll look at that closer in a future message. Well, Christ offers salvation by grace, including the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, every believer is baptized. In Romans, uh, baptized by the Spirit. In the spirit, spirit baptism, Jesus, or yeah, Jesus, well, it was Jesus, but Paul wrote it. In Romans 8, 9, he says, if, 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 if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. I've heard people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian. Well, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm saved, but I've never been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Well, sorry, but if you weren't baptized by the Holy Spirit... You're not saved. What do you, so what do you have to do to get baptized by the Holy Spirit? Nothing. That's not our choice. When you're saved, you get it. Right? Just like on the day of uh, uh, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his friends and family, the Bible says that as they heard the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. So they believed, and the Holy Spirit came on them. Same with us. And so, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, regenerates us, that is, gives us life, borns us again, um, um, uh, uh, indwells us, and seals us. There's all, all kinds of stuff that the Holy Spirit does. And then there's also fire. Hebrews 12, 29. The writer says, For our, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, um, 
that great hymn, How Firm a Foundation. One of the lines is this, The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design your dross to consume and thy gold to refine. So that's what he's talking about. The sanctifying fire of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And so the teaching and preaching of God's word is intended to evangelize the lost. And it's, 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 it's a, intended to um, sanctify the believer. It's the word of God. It's a fire. The, the, uh, uh, Ezekiel, the Lord said, is, is, not my, is not my word as a fire and as a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Over the years, we've accumulated about 10 choruses to the tune of Jesus Loves Me. One of those is, Hammers break and smash and pound, great big rocks to bits of ground. God's word is a hammer to breaking up the sin in you. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It is the word of God. Praise the Lord for that. It's a hammer. It's a hammer. And uh, so, fire. Of course, the ultimate fire is being cast into a lake of fire <coughs> forever and ever. We, um, as I look around the room today, I, I know everybody in the room has professed. You have accepted Christ as your Savior. I hope that's true. And you know it's a simple thing. You just go to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And Jesus died for me, and I need to be saved. And I pray that he will come into my life and save me from my sins. And then everything is new, and everything comes after that. All right? Um, anyway, so pray, may the Lord bless. We, again, as I said last, uh, next Sunday morning, Lord willing, we're going to take a look at the baptism of Christ, how Jesus was baptized by John, and why, and what it meant, and what, ap what application there is for us. And so if you're here today, you've never been baptized, I encourage you to come listen to what the Bible says about the matter of baptism. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this time um, that we can have together um, in the word of God. And I pray that the word of God continue to speak to every heart. Thank you so much for the ministry of John and how he was just right on target. He was dead on with the truth. And he said what the people needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. And I want to be that way too, dear Father. And I, but I realize that if the people, if their hearts are right with God, then they will want to hear what we have to say from the scriptures. So help us to be open to the precious word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll take our hymn books and... Uh, new, number 253, I think we'll... I'm not going to attempt, I don't think I'll play that, so... I think I'll be. I'll be. I'll do the inviting. We'll work on it. All right. Maybe I'll have you give the invitation sometime. All right. You can. I know. All right. Let's stand, please, and sing. Lord, I'm coming home. Um, Lord, I'm coming home. I've wandered far away from God. Again, I. I look at a, book, a group of people that seem excited about the Word of God and about the Lord. But if somebody, or somebody here and you've wandered, um, we're just going to sing verses 1 and 2. Maybe some can say, I've wasted. Have you wasted time? Have you wasted years when you could have been serving God? 253, verse 1, verse 2. And if God has spoken to your heart, we're here to help. There's no special way that it has to happen. You can come and talk to me here. Or you can talk to me at the door. But if there's a need in your heart, um, the Word of God can take care of that. I just encourage all of you to draw closer to the Lord. Lord, I'm coming home. Verse 1, verse 2. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home. Never more to roam. Oh, open now the
thanks again for this day. We thank thee, Lord, for all that have come out this morning. We continue to pray and lift up those who are not able to be here. There's just a bunch of them. And so we commit them to thee, Lord. And it seems like um, every year at this time, we pray that you would give grace to get through these flu times. And, and yes, and Lord, you always do. We're thankful for that. For those of us who haven't got anything yet, we just ask you might uh, see fit to preserve us and keep us from sickness and Lord, as we talked about John the Baptist today and that he was a voice for the Lord, help us to be a voice for him as well. Please watch over these dear ones as they go home uh, today. Give, uh, clear the way, give safety, and bless the afternoon. And Father, please uh, bring us back again this evening to, once to, to again fellowship, to sing, and to uh, gather around the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, please be with our neighbor Dan. And I'm Lord, I just am thankful that he came to me yesterday and pray that he would come to know uh, the Lord Jesus as a Savior. And then, Father, you would just help him and his family from out of the trouble that they're in. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.